everyone, Kristen Ashley here, host of Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Get the W. The timing of a sinus infection has put a strain on my voice, and so the second episode of Get the W, the women's tag team edition, will be hosted by none other than my partner in crime and PWI contributor Warren Hayes. I'll be back for the next episode, but for now, I leave it in Warren's capable hands. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Get the W podcast. I'm Mr. Warren Hayes, sitting in for your regular host, Kristen Ashley, who is not with us tonight. Get the W is Pro Wrestling Illustrated's podcast spotlighting women's wrestling. In our debut episode, Kristen and Ella J chatted about the AEW women's division. And today on our second episode, it's a bit of a special episode. We will be revealing all of the women's tag teams who made the PWI Tag Team 50. And in the meantime, chat about the state of women's tag team wrestling in general. And when I say we, I mean myself, but with some very, very cool guests. And let's start by saying hello to these guests. First of all, a couple of friends of PWI. They host a women's wrestling podcast. They hold a fan community based out of New York City. On top of that, those wrestling girls themselves, Patricia and Krista, how are you both? Hello. We're we good. Thank good. you. Thanks for having us. Oh, yeah, thank we, you for... we really appreciate this honor. Oh, my goodness. Well, not that. We're just really glad you guys are here. Thank you so much. You're going to bring a lot of great insight and, and perspective on all this. So that's exciting. And uh, our, our as our third panelist here tonight as well, we have a reformed wrestling podcaster who now <laughs> contributes for PWI, acting often. As PWI's premier Joshi expert, JPQ, big paws on a pup. How are you, JPQ? I'm good, man. I uh, I appreciate you bringing me on for another PWI countdown, right? Like, this is, uh, you know, this is spoiling in such a way. Like, I'm, I'm super stoked to be here. I'm happy to talk about the women's tag team edition of the PWI Tag Team 50. Um, dude, I'm just stoked, man. Thank you. Well, you, thank you for being here. And yeah, we're we're revealing today. We're bringing out the bringing out the big reveals, the big scoopsies. We're going to start talking about the what we're specifically we're, we're going to start talking about the fifth the the women who ended up on the PWI tag team fifty who ranked. Uh, most of these tag teams, by the way, uh, didn't even rank, or some of them didn't even exist last year. So that's very exciting. Uh, and just as a refresher, just so that we can all lean into this and everyone's on the same wavelength and there are no angry letters that are immediately starting to be put out there, let's break down the list requirements and criteria, okay? It's very, very simple. All staff, PWI staff, put in their feedback for the top 50 established by senior writer Al Castle and editor-in-chief Kevin McElvaney. Uh, the evaluation period was between November 1st, 2020 to October 31st, 2021. The criteria include momentum, wins and losses, chemistry, creativity, activity, the it factor. And uh, they also had to uh, participate in a minimum of 10 matches as a unit during the period or at least six matches in six separate months during the period. Basically, it's the same uh, criteria as the women's 150 and the men's or not the men's but the top 500 
Um, not a lot of women's tag teams made the list, uh, but a lot of the new tag team belts in women wrestling, women's wrestling were being developed late in the game. So it, it was a challenge to rank. Uh, and uh, most of the women's teams that made it were, like I said, uh, to start off, right, were either not formed last year or didn't rank at all. So it's pretty exciting. It's it, it, it's actually pretty exciting. Um, uh, so let's get right to it. We'll, we'll jump right in. Um, and we're going to go from in, in reverse chronological order. So the first team we're going to talk about comes in at number 548, which is the, the tag team of Havoc and Rosemary Decay over there in Impact Wrestling. Uh, of course, there's other members, right? There's Crazy Steve on top of that. You know, like the, the there, there's some mix and match, but essentially here in the for the ranking here, we're focusing on Havoc and Rosemary, Rosemary um, who have become mainstays on Impact Wrestling. Uh, Havoc joined Rosemary to become the uh, knockout tag team champions, overthrowing Fire and Flava. Crazy Steve and Rosemary fell in the finals of the homecoming tournament to Deanna Perazzo and Matthew Raywald. Uh, fantastic tag team. Uh, lots of personality, lots of color to their to their to their presentation as well. Stand they stand apart quite a bit. And as we know, on top of that, Rosemary can she's a fantastic bedtime uh, storyteller as well as she did that for she did a, a little reading of a bit of a creepy pasta a couple of months ago for us on on PWI so that was very exciting but congratulations on congratulations on them cracking the the top 50 at number 48 i'm going to throw this over to uh to Krista here we're going to talk about Natalia and Tamina who come in at number 46 uh i think Krista one of the most interesting parts of this tag team actually winning something here was the fact that it was uh, Tamina's first gold in WWE, correct? Correct. Um, I, as much as I was happy for her, I was disappointed in WWE because Tamina has been in this industry for so long. Um, she debuted with the Usos, and the Usos had, has countless tag team champions um, throughout their years of wrestling. And to this, for this to be Tamina's first one, and for her to gain the momentum she was gaining with Natty, for them to be, you know, generational women a generation of women's tag team because they both come from legacy and mm -hmm. then to have them split during the um during the draft like right. it was like they're a tag team they beat Nia and Shayna for the belts they became a tag team they held the belts for I want to say give or take two three months the draft comes and they're split they, they teamed together for 30 times during the yeah. evaluation period which is actually good because we actually got to see more of Tamina Mm -hmm. Tamina, I feel like if because like she was good when she was with Naya mm -hmm. for that that small run, and then you know she's it's, it's very hard to see her by herself. She's always in somebody's team. So pairing her with Natty was was really good because Natty is already that 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 superstar. Like the superstar everybody goes to, that superstar everybody wants to be around. So to put Tamina with her and they come from like the same background in the sense. Hall of Fame legacy, like I mentioned before, it was good to actually see her in that light. Yeah, I, I agree. Two generate two second generation superstars making it there like that. That's fantastic. Uh, and yeah, I mean, just the fact that they tagged 30 times together, that's that's significant. That's not something we've seen in many of the teams that are on the list here. True. So, so there they are, number 40. Especially for those belts. 
especially uh, yeah no i agree i agree we'll get we'll get a chance to talk about <laughs> about the, the the women's division in world wrestling entertainment for sure for sure um let's head over to number 43 then natalia and tamita 46 just to recap that number 43 we've got veni and makoto and i am going to butcher their this name here i am convinced las fresa de egos de, de egoistas yeah, egoistas. That's right. The selfish strawberries, my friend. The what? The selfish strawberries. That's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, well, it's Spanish. No, you're right. Las fresas. Yeah, I know this. Fresas strawberries in Spanish. Yep. That's right. Um, John, well, since John, you're already talking about it. Do you, do you want to take this one? You're I would love 43. to. I would actually, I was stoked when I saw this. I, was, uh, I popped a little because... Seedling doesn't get a tremendous amount of love outside of Japan, and you could probably make the case that they don't get a tremendous amount of love in Japan. So to see Venny and Makoto, see uh, La Fresas, or excuse me, La Fresa de Ioistas uh, on the list is huge. That's huge for Joshi Wrestling. That's huge for uh, just an awareness of Seedling because they're doing some really nice things right now. Uh, act or accomplishments this year, you're talking, reached the semifinals of the Get a Dream tournament, won the Seedling. Uh, beyond the sea tag team titles in a little bit of a faction warfare against Citrus Wind, uh, specifically Arisa and Nane. Um, they held the gold for, you know, almost a third of the year, if not a little bit over, um, and had a really, really fun match against one of my personal um, Joshi wrestlers of the year, Rina, Yamash- uh, uh, Rina Yamashita and um, Yumiko Hoda uh, in a Lumberjack match. That was fantastic. I'm just a big fan of... Everything that Veni Asuka brings to the table. But more importantly, I'm a Makoto Mark. And I have been for a very long time. I mean, you're talking someone that's been wrestling for 15 years. Mm. And she started when she's 17. She's 32 now. She's been in every and any promotion you could possibly imagine outside of stardom in um, uh, in the world of Joshi. And it's just nice to see her begin to come into her own. Right. I mean, somebody Mm -hmm. that's had this type of career, you could say that she's on the back end of it. I'll tell you, watching the progressions over the last decade or so, you know, she's just hitting her stride now. Right. And there's a lot of exciting things to be um, that are coming out of seedling. But, you know, as far as Makoto and, and what she brings to the party, you know, it's something where how she started wrestling 15 years ago to where she was 10 years ago to where she was five years ago to where she was five months ago. It's been a crescendo the entire time. So for her to be represented on the PWI top 50 list alongside her partner in crime, Benny is probably like the happiest thing that I saw uh, in the last week or so. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's deserving. I'm happy they made the list and this won't be the last time that you hear from the selfish strawberries. I can promise you that. And, you know, one of the happiest things he saw all week. And, uh, you know, JPQ is a, uh, you know, he's a recent father on top of that. So that that goes to show you just how happy this thing made him. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, And, uh, yes, the the strawberries held the... uh, Held the Beyond the Sea tag titles for more than 119 days, so that's uh, mm-hmm. that's quite an accomplishment in and about itself. Number 43 at number 41, stalwart of the indie scene, the Team C stars. They've been sisters. They are sisters. Ashley Vox, Delmi Exo. They've been teaming six years together. They are the reigning current champs, uh, tag team champs of Shimmer and Battle Club Pro. 
they've uh, they've defended their former title against uh, the Hex, actually, uh, Allison Kay and Marty Bell. Uh, and man, they've had a really uh, interesting, very, uh, very cool last year where they've been going through them doors, man, going from the knockouts tag team tournament to AEW Dark to MLW Fightland, where they defeated Willow Nightingale and Zoe Sky. I mean, these two are, they've been around for for a while and they keep getting better. And I think their fan base is growing on top of that. They're at number 41 this year, but they are one of the most consistent uh, tag team, I dare say, acts out there because they they do they do the single stuff, uh, which is always fantastic. It's when they do come together that they really do shine. And we do hope that uh, Delmi Exo is doing well. She was in a uh, she was in a really bad car wreck uh, not too long be- uh, not too long ago, a few days at the recording of this podcast. Um, she seems to be okay. She's back training. We're glad to see it. Let's head back over to Japan. Then at number thirty-seven, where the Cosmic Angels. Tam Nakano, Mina Shirakawa, and Unagi Sayaka are in number 37. Uh, big year for them as they took uh, Joshi by storm after reigning as the artist of stardom champ for nearly a year, John, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, this team is crazy, if I can. Um, so Tam Nakano has been part of stardom now for the better part of... Man, five or six years, and she's, outside of doing a little bit of a stint in Oedo Tai, she's kind of been the number two in stars, um, seconding Maya Iwatani um, for the majority of her career, uh, at least her run in stardom. She left Mayu earlier this season. She turned her back on Mayu, which isn't surprising. Everybody turns their back on Mayu. And she started <laughs> her own faction known as the Cosmic Angels. And what was very interesting about that was that she brought in outsiders from stardom so from tjpw came in mina shirakawa first who i will tell you probably is one of the most improved wrestlers over the course of 2021 from where she was leaving tjpw to where she is now funny enough coming off of a, a wonder of stardom uh challenge against her stablemate and tam nakano uh she has leaps and bounds improved over the course of the season uh unagi sayaka came in a couple, about a month or so later, also from TJPW, and was as green as green can be. So she had to go through the seven series trial. She had to find herself in a position of kind of earning the respect, not only of the wrestlers in the ring, but the crowd and and the stardom crowd uh, as well. And so the one thing I'll tell you about Unagi is that where she's entertaining and she's, you know, essentially the new use upon in, in stardom, she uh, is also probably the best wrestler in the world right now at eating offense. Yeah. When it comes to taking a beating, I don't think anybody does it (laughs) as well as Unagi Sayaka. And these three have come together. These cosmic angels have come together. And to your point, Warren, they have taken the Joshi uh, world by storm. They are not just setting records uh, for successful defenses. They're not just coming in, over a year as um, artists of stardom champions, but they, you know, they're finding creative ways to do it, right? They're each being able to tell specific stories during these artists of stardom championship matches. They're fighting for other titles on the single side as well, right? Which I think plays into the, the, the stable or the faction, um, you sure. know, uh, part of this that really put them on the list. You had 
uh, future of stardom champion and Mina Shirakawa. You've had future of stardom champion and Unagi Sayaka, and you've had wonder of stardom champion and, and Tam Nakano and Tam, her last two defenses of that wonder title were against Mina and Nagi um, in about a, uh, about a three, three and a half weeks space uh, or um, three and a three and a half weeks apart that, you know, again, just went to, you know, solidifying cosmic angels even more as a powerhouse in the Joshi scene. So to see them on the list at 37, I think is perfectly appropriate. And to see them uh, being represented for their accomplishment through 2021, I think is, you know, one of the standout stories of this year. Number 37, as JPQ said, for the cosmic angels, the next women's tag team to find themselves up on the, uh, on the top 50 is Neo Bishikigun at number 21. John, since you're all warmed up, why don't you tell us about uh why don't you tell us about this duo here, May and Sakisama? Yeah, May Saint Michelle. Um, mm-hmm. not to be confused with May Saruga. No, definitely not the same. Completely no. two different people. Absolutely. Um, they are the aristocratic um fun dvt faction that has now made its way into tjpw and so i mean they've shown up in a couple different promotions but they've kind of hung their hat on tokyo pro um or uh, tokyo joshi pro wrestling this year uh i'm a huge fan of what they bring because they bring a theatrical element to professional wrestling right and tjpw is known for that um it can be a little kitschy to some and it can be really enthralling to others you know but character-based wrestling is kind of lost uh, a little bit of its uh, mojo over the mm-hmm. course of the last, I'd say, decade or so, right? We kind of into the realism and kind of into, you know, kind of people being themselves. These two, right, they come out as French aristocrats. And they're just, you know, it's Saki-sama and everything that she brings to the party with regards to style, class, and grace. And then her um, maid, <laughs> I guess is the best way of putting That's it. That's the best way of putting it. Right. Uh, who who assists her in, in anything and everything that she could possibly need. And these two have taken over TJPW for the better part of six months. Uh, they took out the Bakaretsu sisters back in April to win um, the tag team titles of TJPW, uh, the princess titles, tag team titles. Uh, they've defeated uh, Miyu Yamashita, the ace of TJPW, along with everybody's favorite, Maki Ito, um, in the final of the Max Hart tournament. And again, they reigned over TJPW for the better part of six months. Um, I think for me, what makes them such a standout is for how fast they came together. They had spent a lot of time. And I guess you do this when, when you're aristocrats, but when you have a lot of time to, to invest in double team wrestling, right. And you can present both, uh, synergy in the ring as well as character work outside of the ring from day one right from day one everybody knew who these people were Mm -hmm. what they brought to the party and they were polished in the ring with regards to how they kind of danced with each other right and that type of tag team wrestling uh and the aesthetics around it uh really played in their favor for the crowd getting behind them as fast as they did and so from day one until present day, these two have been a marquee polished product and it shows on why they show up as 21 on this list. So again, another good year for them. I expect a lot of good things out of them moving forward into 2022. Um, you know, Neo B, um, 
Neo Bishiki Goon, I always have a problem with that one, uh, is a is a team to be looking out for on the horizon for sure. At number 18, we've got Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles, once known as Fire and Flava, but unfortunately, circumstances have made that this tag team doesn't exist anymore. But still, up there at 18, Patricia, we haven't heard much from you yet. Yeah. John keeps yapping. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're we're gonna hand this one over to you. Um, they, I mean, despite the fact that the team doesn't exist anymore, they had a really outstanding evaluation period. Yeah, no, they they really did, and I'm surprised they're not a little higher. But what I like about these lists is that I get to like discover other wrestlers uh, as well and sure. seem like, okay, there's tag team wrestling elsewhere. Um, but um, <laughs> I actually got into them, you know, because wrestling is wrestling. I got into them um, because of, you know, other issues that um, Kara Hogan had, you know, law, you know, history. Um, so that's when I kind of got tuned in. But what I liked about it was that, you know, I love women that make history. So the fact that they won the tournament to, for the revived, you know, knockouts tag team championships, and then just knowing the history of being a knockouts champion in a time where, you know, the women, you know, that's another story, but just seeing oh, them no, being uh, able to, it was a hell know, of a statement. Let's not be oh, afraid. Yeah. It's, it was yeah. a hell of a statement. Yeah. So then to have, you know, the knockout tag team champions come back and for them to be the, you know, the winners of it was really cool. And then for me, you know, I'm all for, you know, black women making a mark and they definitely did. And like you said, they had an amazing evaluation period. And, you know, looking at the criteria, I think they pretty much had nailed all those and then some, you know, their charisma, the fact that you can tell that they're probably really good friends in real life. They feed off each other. They have, you know, similar personalities and they're, they were super entertaining. Um, and they defended them. Mm-hmm. They defended them and other promotions. So Everywhere. it was very refreshing. Right. It was very refreshing for me, you know, even though, and then that's wrestling for you. Like I got into them for, you know, the craziest reasons, but at the end of the day, I discovered, you know, two black female wrestlers that killed it on the tag team scene. And, and, and that, that was really, that was really fun. And they're fun. They are. <laughs> you know? no. and, and you're right. You know, when you talk about their, their chemistry, right. It's very, very special because it goes beyond the chemistry. It's even the right. energy that they give off. It's so unique and they play off of each other so fantastically. I agree. Um, Of course, Kira Hogan, uh, her contract with Impact expired. She's working more frequently with AEW, but... And and it's interesting, too, because they did just enough. Like, I am, I do want more from, from Fire and Flavor, but at the same time, I feel like they did that. And mm-hmm. and if they were to ever come together in, in some crazy, you know, universe, because they can go through these forbidden doors, like, that's even more exciting for me. So, uh, like, and I think that's a reason why I kind of, I wish they were, like, a little higher. Um, because I just, I, I think they definitely made an impression. And they put on really good matches, too. Yes. Um. But yeah, I, I I love that that they were number eighteen, and I'm I'm happy to see them now grow in other spaces. I agree. I agree. Friend Flavor number eighteen. Now we're going to break the top ten. There's two women's tag teams that uh, broke the top ten. Patricia and Krista, if you both want to jump in on this one, number seven, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Just going to throw out just a couple of things here very quickly. They held the titles the most of the of the evaluation period 
and held the women. Of course, we're talking about the WWE women's uh, tag team titles, and they held them longer than any other team in title history. So, you know, like we talk about, you know, accomplishments and momentum and so on and so forth. There you go. You've got two big marks right there. Right. I agree. Um, Although I really wasn't feeling the whole Nia Jack, Shayna Baszler pairing at first, because it was just like Shayna was trying to, I guess, bully Nia. Like she kept slapping her and, and all that stuff. Like they always put Nia in these unpredictable bullying situations. I don't know if they're trying to make it like an oxymoron or whatever the case may be like that. But to actually see them work cohesively as a group and to actually see like they're both share share the platform as both being dominant and not having one really depend solely on the other for strength while the other you know like what we used to get when it came to like these women's tag team like one was the strong one was the pretty and they're both you know are equally the same when it comes out to the strength and and being able to perform in the ring so for them to you know hold the titles for as long as they did for them to really take over the women's tag team division it, it was something it was something I was I was happy to see. I'm mad that they broke up the way that they broke up. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like WWE could have used them a little bit longer to to keep them together. Like they got rid of the distraction and, and Reginald. He went on to become 24-7 champion, which I just didn't understand like why he kept bouncing from people to people to people. But um yeah, so the way that they broke up, like Shayna and Jeraniah, they I feel like they dropped the ball with that. They they could have kept them in a tag team, um, tag team division run a little bit longer. What do you think, P? Um, I I was I was ready for them to end, but I do. They did grow on me. I will say. At first, I was like, okay, typical, you know, odd pairing, but. I like that she brought personality out of Shayna because I wasn't necessarily a fan, although I did like her being, you know, intimidating and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I did enjoy seeing that side of Shayna as well because she has great comedic timing um, and you wouldn't expect that from her. So, mm-hmm. but now I'm glad that she, she's back, but, um, but yeah, they, they dominated and um, they made some memorable moments. Yeah. No, well, I mean, they won the titles defeating the golden role models. You know, that's, oh, uh, for those of you who, uh, well, since this is an audio recording, you know, the <laughs> Patricia's face just went, you know, yeah, just went completely. Like, I'm a Sasha, favorite, really um, Mark. I am. Yeah, yeah. favorite tag team. I'm just like, girl, get over it. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I didn't. I didn't want to drudge anything up. I apologize. I apologize. But they did have a fantastic run. Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler at number seven. And there's a team that cracks the top five women's tag team. Love to see it. Yeah, yeah. we're talking about ALK together. John, how did that come about? We're talking about a faction of dominance, right? People that were outsiders to stardom in 2020 coming in and kind of ruling with an iron fist for the better part of a year. So Mike and Himika had the, uh, the, the titles. Uh, they lost them to ALK, uh, Julian Shorey. ALK being um, a combination of their two heritages. So, so Julia is uh, half Italian, half Japanese. Um, uh, Shuri is half um, Filipino and half Japanese. And so together they took Alto uh, Livello, which is Italian for high level, and mixed it with uh, Tagalog, um, uh, the word uh, Kabalawan 
for madness. And so together they are high level madness, otherwise known as ALK. And so they came together. And I mean, you talk about two formidable opponents. I mean, these two are not just best in class athletes. Uh, These two are running roughshod over pretty much all of stardom outside of Utami Hayashishista, uh, who's the world of stardom champion. So these two have been wonder of stardom champion. They've been, well, Julia has been wonder of stardom champion. Uh, Shuri is still the SWA champion together. They are the uh, goddesses of stardom champion or the tag team champions. And they have been for a very long time now. Uh, These two are as dynamic from a star power, from a ring generalship, uh, they are five tool players. And so when you have these two at the caliber that they are together, it makes all the sense in the world why they would be uh, top five. Shuri with her MMA background, former UFC fighter, uh, freelance extraordinaire, 1,300 wrestler pro wrestling matches underneath her belt. Julia, uh, one of the faces of stardom, uh, one of the hot up and comers, had a fantastic hair versus hair match against uh, uh, Tam Nakano for the uh, uh, Wonder of Stardom champion earlier this year. These two are uh, premier level talents as singles competitors, and you put them together, and they show you every time they're together, whether it's serious, competitive, funny, some random house show in the middle of uh, uh, of a prefecture out in Japan. These cats just go out there and they. They make the they they make it worth the money you spend on them, and in, in professional sure. wrestling, that's the goal, right? And I don't think anybody in Japan right now, and I can make the case based off this list um, versus a lot of people around the world can do what these two can do in a ring together. Well, there you have it. Those are the tag teams that appears on uh, that appear on the PWI Tag Team Fifty that are comprised of women. Just. If we run down the list quickly, once again, at number 48, we have Decay, Havoc and Rosemary. Number 46, Natalia and Tamina. Number 43, Las Fresa de Eostia. I, no, see, I can't do it. My my Spanish is terrible. Is Eoistas. <laughs> Benny and Makoto. We've got Team C Stars at number 41. Cosmic Angels at number 37. Neo Bishikigun at number 21. Number 18, have. Has fire and flavor. Number seven, Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler, and number five, ALK. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't uh, tag teams that uh, you know you feel should have been on there but didn't end up. There's a bunch of tag teams who weren't there. Talented, exciting tag teams, but for a bunch of reasons couldn't make it. We've got some honorable mentions here that we can pull up, such as the Hicks, Allison K, and Marty Bell who are the recipients of the revived NWA World Women's Tag Team Championships, which is fantastic. Anna Jay and Tai Conchi, commonly known as Tay Jay. Um, uh, So they are in the honorable mentions list as well. Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley. Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae as well. Bunch of people in Queen's Quest too Mm -hmm. that we could could add there. Bussy, Effie and Ali Catch. Kings of the District with uh, Jordan Blade and Eel O'Neal. Blonde Force Trauma uh, as well. Heather Monroe and Ray Lynn. I'm going to throw it over to you guys. Uh, is there anyone else here that you feel, any other tag team here that you feel might have slipped through the cracks? Or you were like, well, you know, might might understand why they didn't make it, but uh, I'd like to give them an honorable mention. 
Um, I don't know if they were in the evaluation criteria, but there's two tag teams that I wish they gave more of a chance to. Sure. One is um, Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose. I know they shouldn't be on the list, but I just want to just mention like some of like the lost potential of like what sure. could be of a women's tag team division. Um, and then they had I a like, good, if anything, they had a great look together. Right. 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 And if they just put the effort in, I feel like it could have been better. Um, and then I also really enjoyed Natty and Lana. I think they put so much momentum into that and there was literally like no payoff really it was very just meh. Um, but, just, but yeah. yeah, nothing really happened. Just uh, just cycled out, and yeah. that was that. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I want I want to say that I'm surprised that the golden role models weren't up here, or even, but I'm not sure when they. I think that was last year. Like split up, but because this is from October of 2020, right, or November of 2020. Uh, it's on uh, starting November 1st, 2020. Right, so I'm not sure what period that the um they had split up, um or when Bailey was injured got injured. But for my sake and for my co-host's sake, because I don't want to hear it later on, um I feel like the Golden Role Model should at least be recognized because they literally did do a lot. Especially they carried they carried the pandemic when it was a no crowd allowed situation. So. Oh no! Absolutely! Oh, absolutely! Uh, the, I, you know, I think it's, uh, I think it's extremely fair to say that uh, that um, Sasha Banks and Bailey were the heroes for WWE during the pandemic situation. Uh, shout out to Oscar along with that as well. Like, I think that was a very important trio that they had going there. But definitely, Sasha and and Bailey were uh, were heroes. And if I'm just looking over real quickly here. Um, at um, at the uh, just to make sure where the gold the golden role models would fall in this on Friday on Friday night SmackDown on November six they were um, Sasha Banks was defeating Bailey um, in, in a singles match they had just had the Hell in a Cell the uh, on the October twenty fifth so so that uh, means Sasha already had turned on Bailey yes the, okay all right real quick just. Did sure. Best Bros make it? Best Bros did not make it. Yes, Mesaruga think... and uh, Aki. and Aki. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's probably one that we want to look at. Um, just giving a little uh, little love to because I think they're going on what the better part of almost a two hundred and seventy days or so. I think is where they're at. And you know, those Asia Dream titles over in Gato Move are something special, right? Big purple band. Everybody loves that. Uh, and the fact that, um, you know, they are not only defending them pretty regularly at this point, but that they, you know, shop them around, right? We we know about them and we have very minimal access to, to got to move outside of YouTube, right? Yet, how many people know about Mace Ruga? How many people know about Aki? And how many people know about the best bros and the fact that, you know, they're, they're tag team champions. And I will tell you, it's a good portion of people that don't watch Gato move that know that little fact. And I think mm -hmm. that goes a long way with regards to, you know, um, them being able to market themselves in such a way that, you know, people are paying attention. And so I want to throw them a little honorable mention. I think that makes a lot of sense. All right. So we've got our honorable mentions out of the way. Talking about the past, the past year, but what if we talked about the future? 
now? What if we talk, we turn our eyesight towards the future, or at least, you know, how we feel things are going uh, in regards to uh, women, women's tag team wrestling. Let, 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 we talked about it a little bit as we were going along. Impact brought back the knockouts tag team titles. NWA as well brought back the women's world tag team championships. Um, that's pretty exciting uh, in and about itself. Uh, creating, bringing back these titles. Um, I just like to get so, so, some thoughts here. How do you feel maybe so far? Um, I, I like, of course, in, in NWA, they just brought back the titles a couple of months ago in August, right? So the, it hasn't been all that long, not as long as the Impact titles. But uh, how do you feel the promotions are getting behind these these two specific promotions how do you feel they're getting behind their uh, their women's tag team divisions do you think that they're getting that they're being serious about it or do you think it might be a little fleeting um i think it's a good thing that the that they're these promotions are getting finally getting behind their women's division i know that um they especially with AEW like i mean i'm sorry AEW's not up here um oh yeah um, I feel like it's a really good idea that they're doing so, especially because, you know, what recently just happened with Ring of Honor and how, you know, everything was going great. And then it was just announced that they'll be shutting down and revamping. And, you know, Maria Canellis was doing this whole big thing with the women. And then Mickey James comes and she has her own women's tournament and, and things like that. So it's a good thing to see the women start to have titles for their for themselves, have more things to defend and fight for, have more ways to showcase their talent mm-hmm. on all in these spaces because um looking at the bigger organizations, it's like the men like the women are there but the men are continuing to dominate or they're regaining their dominance after, you know, we was given these women to showcase their talents on a day in day out basis so it's good to see fresh new faces um fresh new talent more of a fresher drive in in these um in these organizations one of the things that i find interesting about both of these tag team titles both from nwa and impact is that uh they've been they've been defended elsewhere right uh um, you know, you talk, you mentioned Ring of Honor, Krista, uh, uh, Allison Kay and Marty Bell defended the NWA world titles on uh, on a uh, on, at Ring of Honor. Uh, the Impact Knockouts titles have uh, have been around the independent circuit as well. Um, I think it's interesting. And, and, and again, I want to get your thoughts. I think it's I think it's interesting because, you know, sometimes all you need to add to 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 get people involved in the matches is, is is stakes right just a and a championship will just do that why not uh why not give a little more love out to the uh out to all the different women's divisions out there true i guess I everyone agree. agrees <laughs> no, i agree i, I thought just... i wasn't on mute but i was on mute because i had <laughs> unnecessary background noise but no i agree like if the love should go around. The love should spread around um, evenly at that. So for Marty Bell and you said Allison K. Yes. K, yes. To, to to defend their titles on other brands and promotions across. I, I'm all here for cross brand and cross promotions. Okay. Sure. Yes. Like I, although it probably would hell would have to freeze over three times for a cross collaboration between AEW and WWE, where WWE did not buy AEW, but or vice versa. 
but I would love to see more cross branding, cross promotions because it brings more of an excitement, especially for the women. You don't see mm-hmm. the same faces every day when you cross brand. So yeah, I'm I'm here for it. Like spread love. Why not? I do too. And one thing, too, just as someone who is one of those people that complain on Twitter all the time about the lack of, you know, women in general, but a tag team, a thriving tag team division is an easy way to pacify us. You got to use double the amount of women, you know, like it's a very easy thing, you know, like it's like have a thriving scene where you're, you know, eight women are involved in an active storyline every week in addition to the title series. Like, and then if we had a non, like, it writes itself to me like no i agree i agree Uh, having having tag teams means more people on the show it's just as simple as that so if you're if you're serious about there you go if you're if you want to put more women on uh, just give them tag team titles but create a tag team division like you said you'll have you know bare minimum uh you'll have bare minimum uh four women a week on tv Sounds good to me. You know, it's, it, me too. it's yeah. a good it's a good jumping point anyway. Right. I agree. Um so well so so that's exciting. So that that's good. Uh you know, a AEW as it stands right now seems to have dipped dipped its toe in tag team uh in tag teams for the women's division, like a little in and out. You know, they did the they did the 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 tournament, you know, uh, last year. Um and you know, there there are some tag acts like we mentioned, TJ, and there's some loose affiliations. You know, the Bunny, Penelope Ford. You know, there's all that going around. How do we feel about it? Do we feel is that is that pretty good? You think we should get a little more serious about it? Like, I want thoughts, man. <laughs> I uh, I'll tell you that actually, based off of the point we, that we were just making, AEW probably benefits the most from tag team wrestling i mean one that's kind of your mission statement right is that we're the greatest tag team promotion in the history of forever right sure and so why doesn't that extend to the women number one right Mm -hmm. why are we sitting there saying you know this is the premier destination for tag teams but we don't have any women tag team wrestlers like that we're not being fully honest with ourselves right there right and so it's an easy fix, right? Because it does a couple things. One, you can take like a Sheeta and Statlander and put them against a Rose and Ford, right? And you can either have internal conflict between the teams, which creates a story, or you can have inter- or a conflict with the people across from you and create a story. Uh, or you can have four single wrestlers get together and, and have a tag team match. And now you got two separate stories branching off at the same time, right? And so to the part of kind of easy booking, right? It, it does write itself in, in some capacity. And in AEW right now, you need more stories for the women. Um, I don't need crazy epics that are long-term storytelling with all these underlying arcs to it that, that we like and we promote in, in different places. But just give me something to cling on to. Give me something that has a little meat on the bone sure. and and I'll eat, you know? And so you you can do that in AEW with, with, what they, with, their, with their division. And I like that, like, organically TJ kind of came together. Right. And, and that's been a fun dynamic, um, you know, but like you have all of these people sitting on AW dark, AW elevation that aren't making their way to, to dynamite, not making their way to the pay-per-views that, you know, if you just committed to them for six months in a tag team, you could build around them and they could be the cornerstone moving forward. And I don't necessarily care 
who it is, right? Like you just pick somebody that you know can 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 do it and have them go out there and trust that over the course of a month, two months, six matches, whatever the case is, that they're going to begin to, to build some traction. And then you bring other people in, other tag teams. You, you have a little bit of a faction thing going on now. You add people, you add new signings to new factions, and you've got organic tag teams right there. You have people that were foes that are now friends that can tag team together, and you can begin to build something on the on the, on the women's side. Mm-hmm. But it also Why has to make sense. Sure. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, please, 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 please. It has to make sense because I feel like, and this is not just with like WWE. Um, I'm I, from what I see with WWE and AEW, you put these random matches together, these random tag team develop matches together, and it doesn't make sense for you to put like, like I said, Nia and Shayna. It was random, but it worked. The other ones that really don't seem to work or seem to be cohesive, and then you just throw them in there for like two seconds. They give you a hell of a show. They give you all all they got because they feel like they're auditioning for something. And then you don't see them again for another six, seven, eight months. And then when they pop back up, it's just like, huh? Hmm. Like Dana Brooke has been on the sideline for so long. And then she pops up and wins 24-7 champion. Like, mm-hmm. it has to make sense. Like, when they write these storylines for these women, especially in tag team division, it has to make sense. It has to be cohesive. It has to have a story. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out storyline like JPQ said, but it just has to be cohesive enough to rope us in so we can determine who we like, who we want to see when, if we want to see a heel turn, if we want to see a face turn, Something to to that effect. Yeah, I can get behind that. Absolutely. Patricia, do you have any thoughts on the on tag teams in AEW? Um, I think everything has already been said. Like the talent is there. You already have sort of these affiliations that people are already invested in. Like I'm very invested in TJ. They never been like formally, I guess, made a tag team, I guess, but I'm invested in it and both have start like just Pull the pull the trigger. <laughs> yeah, just do stuff. Yeah, just no, I agree. And and you know, AEW has a history of you know bringing people from the indies for these one off shows or these short programs. So you know, it's not as if they'd be at a loss to uh, to get some competition up there. Oh, that's very. Uh, I think those very interesting thoughts. Yeah, I would tell you the one thing I think that benefits all. I, I'll say Western cable television promotions right and that's the whole aw impact wwe all of them right is so i I like to use um the hollywood blondes as my example for this right so that was pillman and steve austin back in wcw and they were kind of a mixed match team that was put together that really wasn't supposed to be anything in fact they made them a tag team Mm -hmm. to keep them from becoming popular right and so what they do they go out there and the one thing that they could do is work right and so the work rate was high and what do we know about the WWE women's division, right? And the AEW women's division. And then the impact women's division is that these women can work. So you put them in a position where you put them together and then they just start having quality matches, Mm -hmm. right? And it doesn't need to be these five-star epics and don't need to be these bangers, but you're like, man, that was a really good match. And then the next week, man, that was another really good match. And then next thing you know, they start matching their gear, right? And they come out with their little, you know, little, uh, I, I guess I guess it doesn't work because we're not, we're doing audio, but the little, uh, you know, some type of um, uh, taunt, right? That is a, a tag team taunt. And then 
you know, that turns into the crowd organically getting behind them. That then builds into them winning a tag team championship. And now the crowd's around it. As they're doing that, you have the heel component, right? Which you can just take heels and put them together and create a story. And it can, it's fabricated, but it'll feel organic to the fan. Why nobody does this and commits to it for the, to the level that, you know, it allows me as a fan to get invested in. I still can't seem to fathom because it worked in the eighties. Because there aren't any women writing for women, and there aren't any men trying to get to know these women as female wrestlers and entertainers. They're only seeing them as eye candy. They're pretty. Oh, yeah, and if you could do a power slam or put a fireman's carry or um, a quick DDT in the ring, that's good, you know? But they're not trying to get to know these women as they should get to know these women. Like, they get to know the men. And then in the 80s, it was much easier because you hear the stories about, yeah, we were all out after a match and we went to go get some beers and we did this and we just had these regular conversations. So it was much easier to write or create for these men because they were getting to know them on that personal level. They don't do that with these women. I love that. Yeah, so that's 100% accurate. It's an interesting take. Very interesting. We we look. We've been touching on it a little bit. I know Patricia is is excited to talk about WWE's women's division. The you know especially when it comes to the tag teams. You know we've talked about it a little bit. How do you feel how how things have been going? So, we know the story. We know how hard Bailey and Sasha lobbied for these titles. Right? We're we're what like almost two years in three. I don't. I I've lost count. Time time is so weird for me. It's wibbly wobbly now. Um. <laughs> Uh, how do you feel about the state of the tag teams, the women's tag teams in WWE, Patricia? It frustrates me to no end. And I was one of those people that wanted people to be hopeful, like in the first year, like when the Iconics held it and people were like really critical. And I was just like, you know, give it time. There are new titles, blah, blah. But then to see and what frustrates me about WWE is, is when you see that they have the potential to do it. So when yeah. you see Sasha and Bailey actually going to other promotions, when you see certain tag teams actually being treated a certain way and defending them and having feuds, but then other people hold them. And it's like, you never hear from them again. That's why I was surprised when you said Natty and um, Tamina wrestled 30 times as a tag team. To me, that's shocking Mm -hmm. because it always seemed like, did they even have a feud? Like, (laughs) I don't even know if they had like a defining feud during their reign. Like it's, and, and that's always the case with the tag team divisions. And then again, an easy way to pacify people like me that literally watch the shows waiting for the women have a thriving tag team division. Easy way to include many talented women. You have the roster. You guys ported all this female talent and have tag team belts, but like don't do anything with them. Like I don't like I don't get it. And I'm hoping. I'm really, really hoping. Who's even champion right now? The random Carmella. Yeah. As much as I love both of them equally and I do like them together, it's random it's random it's random as hell it's random it's like it's gonna work because i just like them so much but it's just like why you know it's hard to get invested in like anything that they do with them because it's like all of a sudden they're champions and then to think tag teams like the riot squad who are like real tag teams and never hold them or even um who am I thinking of that never held them? That was a tag team. I think I mentioned them already. Um, but it, it's just, it's unfortunate. And I kind of lost hope. 
<laughs> and I think that's why I got invested in the knockout tag team championships because it's just like this. Sure. Is, it's it's active. Did Riot Did, Squad ever win the titles? No. No. Which was a lost call. Tragic. Tragic. Like yeah. Ruby Riot came back, Tragic. and it was like the three of them was going at each other's throats. Yeah, it's wild. And then COVID yeah. happened and shut everything down. Yeah. But even when the titles were first a thing, the Riot Squad was the only them and the Iconics were like mm-hmm. the only actual real organic tag teams. So it's right. like even if they weren't the inaugural tag team, for them to never have held them is wild to me. It is. Yeah. Yeah. No. Most of uh, most of them after were singles competitors uh, that that they just put together. You know, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, the Kabuki Warriors, uh, Naomi Carmella, Naomi Carmella. I mean, um, Naomi Lana. Anybody with Lana? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't win the titles, but yes, we yes, that's it. It's always two singles people. Yes. Right. That's what I mean. Like really, really random. Like doesn't make sense. Like, I knew Sasha and Bailey made sense because you know that they're best friends in real life. Like, you know right. that even would have made sense for Becky and Charlotte, even though probably nobody wanted to see that. Right. But it probably would have made sense for them as well. It would have made sense for, um, it made sense for, Tami- for Tamina and, and, and Naya. But at the same time, I kind of get where the awkwardness comes in because you never want to have two of the same. You never want to really have it make sense half the time. Mm. Rhea and Nikki Ash, even though I don't like her ASH character, they worked. It was like Jekyll and Hyde. They worked. And you know who else is carrying this Jekyll and Hyde thing right now? RK Bro. It's literally the same thing. It's literally the same thing. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, I mean, it's not as if they don't have the talent, right? I think I think that's that's the general consensus here. It's not as if they don't have the talent. It's not as if they don't have the people, the bodies, you know, to actually do it. Because they have them both. And same goes for NXT as well. You know, they have them. They have fantastic women up and down. They should be able to do something. It's it's all a question of of effort at that point. Right. Right. Um, on the independent circuit, you know, uh, you, there's a... There's an argument to be made that the uh, that women's tag team is is uh, w- women's tag teams are alive. You know, maybe uh, again, maybe not as maybe not as numerous, but the ones that are out there are very we know about. You know, we talked about Team C, C- Stars earlier, or or there's a lot of uh, of notable intergender um, tag teams as well. Kings of the District, uh, Effie and Ali Catch. Um, do you, is the independent circuit, the, I mean, it, it's always a, I guess, a, a lab, right. Where we, we, we try some stuff out is, is it, is, should we be paying more attention as to what's happening for women's tag teams on the independent, uh, absolutely. circuit to see what, what's coming up in the future? Yeah. Krista, you say absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, we were, I feel like on an independent circuit, when it comes down to the women, they have more of a range. Mm-hmm. To do whatever it is that they want to do, more of a range to showcase their talent, more of a range to show they're not scared to be in the ring as men. The same, and they, and, and more of a range that could be David and Goliath. Sure. Like, you know, growing up attitude era, the person that we had to be mostly in the ring with men was China. Mm-hmm. She was half, she was their size, you know, like she was built like them, she was tall like them. It was very rare that we saw Ivory or Jacqueline fighting in the ring. And when they did fight in the ring women, they would just jump on their backs and like hold them by their necks. But with these women now, you see like they're taking chair shots. You see that they're taking body slams. You see that they're taking 
Nia Jax took a freaking RKO. Like you see, mm-hmm. they're doing all of this. Um, but with independent with the intergender matches, um, myself and Pee Wee had the pleasure of actually going to a few shows and seeing how these women really get on in the ring, and that uh, that's where it's at. That's exactly where it is. And continue to keep an eye on that, and maybe to wrap this uh, to wrap this part up, uh, if we were to talk about uh, uh, some upcoming Joshi uh, tag teams that we should be on the lookout for JPQ. Cause we've, we've talked about those who have uh, who ranked this year, but our, and, and we had a nice little shout out to May and, and, ba- and Aki as well. Um, is there any, are there any tag teams that we should be looking forward to in, in 2022 already? Yeah. I mean, all of them, right. I think that's the answer. Well, that's the show everyone. Good night. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you do. You want to pay attention to as many as you can. Um, the, again, the thing about Joshi Wrestling is that it is all women, right? So when you do a tag team, you're doing women's tag team, right? And so I, I'd keep that in perspective, right? Because it's very simple for Joshi fans to be like, well, I mean, we have all these tag team wrestlers. Or, yeah, it's because all women, right? <laughs> so we should. But um, I'm a big fan of Galaxy Punch, right? And they're new. What's interesting about them is Actress Girls, which is the promotion that they were running with, uh, just went under. So... They're wrestling as Galaxy Punch for uh, Pro Wrestling Wave right now, but they're freelance, or they will be freelance in a minute. So they could start jumping around. And whether they wrestle as individuals or they come together and and wrestle together, uh, you know, when they're together, they're Galaxy Punch, right? And so regardless of what promotion they're in, because they're freelance, they go under whatever title uh, that they they prefer. And so that's the really interesting thing about like um, the Japanese indies, which isn't too much different than the American indies, is you see that um, continuity and and partnership move from one spot to another, right? Mm-hmm. It's not two single wrestlers pushed together and then we're just going to make this work until it's these two are a committed tag team whenever they're together on the same show. And so that's really interesting. So galaxy punch is a big one for me because one, they're out of a job and two, (laughs) uh, they're both high quality and they put on very entertaining matches. Um, that's number one. Number two, I want to throw some love back to stardom. Hashtag watch stardom because you have, uh, Koguma who just came back from like a five year absence and Hazuki came out of a two year retirement and they just team for the tag league. Uh, and then they won it and they won the damn thing. So, they're together. They're kind of like the returning stardom OGs. They're coming in and kind of taking over the tag team division and working with stars in Mayu Iwatani. And so they've had a fantastic run since they've been back. They kind of knocked that ring rust off and are going full bore right now. And it's fantastic uh, tag team wrestling in general, let alone just fantastic wrestling in general. So um, I like them. And other than that, like that, we're in a little bit of an influx of of or uh, not an influx. We're in an interesting time in Joshi because things are all up in the air. Oh, um, okay. Well, that's yeah. fun. People are going under. Other other promotions are thriving. Uh, Ice Ribbon just lost pretty much the entire top of their card. They all left and started their own death match faction of freelancers. So these six women are pretty much in a position of they're just going to go to random uh, deathmatch promotions and sell themselves as a unit to come in and do whatever it is you want from a deathmatch perspective. So if you mm-hmm. want three, two on t- uh, three one-on-one matches, 
these six will do it. If you want one three-on-three match, death match, they'll do it. And so they're kind of teaming together and creating a floating promotion, right, called Prominence. And they're going to go to all these other death matches and sell themselves as a whole instead of individuals. And so really interesting things happening in the world of Joshi right now. We should see the dust settle on it coming out of January 4th and all the shows between now and then, start of the year-end climax, uh, TJPW 1-4. In between, every Joshi promotion runs like two or three shows. So once all those stories come to an end and the dust settles with who's continuing into 22 and who left and is signing somewhere else, uh, we'll kind of have a better idea of what 2022 is going to bring as a whole. But for now, it's you know, it's beautiful chaos in a lot of ways. So a lot of sadness and a lot of happiness all at the same time. So we'll see what happens over the next 30 days. Well, that's exciting. All right. Definitely. I'm I'm going to look out for a tag team called Galaxy Punch. Are you kidding me? That's yep. fantastic. Exclamation point. That sounds like a that, that drink that you don't touch, but you want to get into it. <laughs> that's what that sounds like. Like, I would definitely look out for that, too, for them, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well, that was, this was a great conversation. Thank you all very much for for joining us today on the uh, on the Get the W podcast, Krista Queen, it's always a pleasure to to chat with you. I was behind the scenes telling Queen that Patricia that it had been a while that we hadn't talked uh, the both of us, but it's great to have you here. Why don't you let everyone know where they can follow you on social media and what you guys are up to? You want? I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> um. Yes, you can follow us on. Every social media platform, those wrestling girls, Twitter, T Wrestling Girls, Facebook, um, Instagram, those wrestling girls join our discussion group. Make sure you subscribe to our Patreon, those wrestling girls. We um just released um a new episode for our new season. We just relaunched, everything is relaunched and revamped. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page, those wrestling girls. Um, and we are fresh off the heels of a Survivor Series, um, our first Survivor Series um, party, which was really, really good as a, a celebration for our three-year anniversary. So, Congratulations. Thank awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Also, you can follow me on Instagram, um, Miss underscore Krista B underscore, and Queen PR is Queen um, three underscores PR, same as Twitter for the both of us. Isn't that great, Patricia? Patricia, you have your own hype person. <laughs> Take care of all your stuff. Always. <laughs> Thank you very much again to both of you for for joining us. JPQ, what's up with you? Man, I got um got a couple things kind of in the fire right now, and we'll leave those for a later day. But um, you know, right now I'm just kind of hanging, man. Got the babies and and doing my thing. Uh, every day is kind of chaotic, but it's a lot of fun at the same time. So you can follow me on Twitter with random musings at Big Paws on a Pup. Otherwise, I'll have news. I don't have it yet, so stay tuned. Well, by the time where you uh, you will be listening to this podcast, uh, both the print and pre-order, uh, both the print and pre-order, uh, excuse me, I'll start that over again. By the time you're listening to this podcast, both the print pre-order and digital version of the PWI Tag Team 50 issue will both be available. You can get the issue at pwy-online.com. Also, in this issue, Righteous Reg interviews Big E. Lauren Moran has some awesome artwork, Peruge. And uh, Kristen Ashley's column focuses on Chicago's women's wrestling scene. So check that out. And on the next edition of the Get the W podcast, Kristen will be back alongside JPQ as well to discuss the state of Joshi as a whole 
And, you know, who knows? JPQ might uh, be able to let us in on some of those fires he has kindling right now. So be sure to check that out. I want to thank everyone for joining us today. My name is Mr. Warren Hayes. I'll see you next time.